0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Let's go to Third John 2. I want to continue where I left off this morning, maybe go back and kind of hit the highlights in case there were some of you here that weren't in the session this morning if you're working in a children's department or something. Glory to God. In 3 John verse two, he said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. We pointed out that in the in the plan of God, we have forgiveness of sins. We read this morning about how God has abounded towards us in mercy and so forth in the forgiveness of sins. And then it also said in Ephesians where we read that we also have obtained an inheritance. Yeah. Glory to God, there's an inheritance. Yeah. If uh, we read a couple of scriptures about the inheritance, go with me over to, uh, let's say you're in 3 you're in John, go back to 1 Peter chapter one, 1 Peter chapter one. Here he talks about our inheritance again. And we'll start in verse three. It says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, has his mercy uh, gone away? Has his mercy run out? Has his mercy even shortened or diminished in any way? No, he's just as merciful now as he ever has been. Glory to God, according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, to an inheritance. We have an inheritance. The writer of, of Ephesians said, in him we have obtained an inheritance. Our church vision is to open men's eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the authority and dominion of Satan unto God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and their inheritance. Thank God we have an inheritance. We have have things that belong to us. Remember the woman in the synagogue when Jesus went in and she was stooped over like this and had been this way for, for 18 years? couldn't lift herself up. And Jesus said, "Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity." And she 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 straightened up and was completely well. And people got mad about that. Religious people are crazy. They really are. It's illogical. So often, what religion does. And Jesus said, They said, Well, you know, you, you, there are seven days, you know, for, for uh, six days for men to come and be saved, but he be healed, but not on the Sabbath. And Jesus said, On the Sabbath, if you have uh, an animal that falls into a ditch, you'll take him, you'll get out on the Sabbath and, and exercise and work and get that animal out of the ditch on the Sabbath. He said, so ought not this woman whom Satan has bound, think of it, he said, for 18 years, ought not, ought she not be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? What was he saying? He was saying that because of her affliction, because of the severity of it, because of the duration of it, because of the of the woefulness of it, the awfulness of it, just mercy, just mercy would dictate that you would be happy that she would be healed. But he actually said that and more. He said, shouldn't she be healed being a daughter of Abraham? That was really the thing he emphasized. Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, be healed on the Sabbath? what was he saying? He was saying, she has a covenant right. She has something that belongs to her because she's, a, because she's a, the seed of Abraham, because she's a daughter of Abraham. She has a right to be healed and especially on the Sabbath and especially after 18 years. But the fundamental thing in this case that he was emphasizing was the fact she has a covenant with God. She has a right to be healed. And, it's, and it's, it's unreasonable in light of what belongs to her for you to be mad because she got healed. It's unreasonable. Well, Galatians 3 says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Us who? Us Church us Christians, yeah. us believers. Yes. See, some people are always ready to, to uh, uh, acknowledge what God did back then and acknowledge what he's gonna do one day, but now, you know, we can't have too much. So, well, you know, that belonged to that, that, belonged to that woman because she was the daughter of Abraham and that was an old covenant blessing. But, I mean, uh, Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us, For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That's talking about the cross. He became a curse for us. Over in Isaiah, talking about the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, it said, the Lord has made him sick. He put sickness on him, but he made him sick. God made him sick for us. Well... He made made him sick with everything. I don't know how it's humanly possible, but evidently Jesus on the cross was struck with every ailment possible for mankind. You think, well, how much can a person suffer? I, I don't know. But the Bible says you made him sick, God made him sick on the cross. Why? That the blessing of Abraham might remain with the Jews. No. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles, the ones who didn't have a covenant, the ones who, like us, we were all, unless you were of Jewish background, we were all strangers from the covenants of promise. Having no covenant, having no hope, having no God, no access to God, no right to claim anything, we didn't, we didn't deserve it. This woman had a covenant. She, Jesus said she has a right to be healed because of her covenant. Well, that covenant came on the Gentiles that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in union with Christ. So ought not you to be healed? You ought to be healed. Now, now, see, that, that's, not, that's not an accusation. So what's wrong with you? you, you ought to be, I'm saying on the positive side, you ought to be healed. You have the right to be healed. You ought to be. Amen. The devil starts challenging you, say, no, I ought to be. Yeah. It's my right. Yeah. I ought to be healed. Yeah. Glory to God. Yeah. You, you can be healed before you lean over the trash can or afterwards. Yeah. That's that's part of our inheritance. It's part of of what's been given to us. And like I said this morning, we need to align our our thinking with God's thinking. We talked about the fact that 3 John, when when John wrote that, he said to, to Gaius, I pray that you may prosper and be in health as your soul prospers, that was those words were inspired. they were breathed by God and, and they apply not to just Gaius, but they apply to everybody. It is God's will. He, he, he desires that we prosper and be in health. 2019, God wants you to prosper and to be in health. Live in health. Be healthy, be well, have well days, amen. Have your days, 2019, be full of of wellness, healthfulness, amen, healthiness. That's the desire of God. Well, it's one thing to know it, it's another thing to let it change you. It's, it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to say, if God wants it, then I want it. Yeah. If it's important to him, it's important to me. Yeah. I, have, I have a right. Jesus, Jesus paid a tremendous price for our salvation. Amen. Uh, and so I talked about this morning, you know, don't tolerate Sickness in your life, and, and, and briefly talk about don't tolerate debt. I mean lack. That would be that would involve debt, but don't don't tolerate lack in your life. Yeah. Don't don't tolerate it. That doesn't mean you won't have symptoms of it, right. but it means you, you you've you've made up your mind. I am not going to live yeah. in lack. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to live in lack. There may be symptoms of lack all around me. But my God supplies all of my need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And that's the truth. And the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not lack. And see, if you get that in you and get ahead of myself a little bit, but if we're gonna walk in these things, you really have to get them in you. It has to be more than mental assent. It has to be more than head knowledge. It it has to be in you to the point that it's alive. That it's alive. Amen. There's more real to you than anything. Amen. And you'll still have opportunity to stand. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Don't tolerate symptoms. Like Doug said, very often we put up with stuff. We say, well, you know, I've got symptoms. I'm fighting symptoms. Are you? Are you really fighting them? Are you talking about fighting them? Amen. Say no to them. Now, I, I understand you might be sitting there tonight. You might be, you might, have, you might have symptoms all over your body. Your head nose might be swelled up like this, big old, you know, Ronald, uh, McDonald nose, you know, and and just feel miserable and feel like you've been beat up and you got the I, I understand that. I felt that way before. But the word of God is more real. Yeah. Yeah, Amen. Go with me over to uh and so we'll go a little further tonight. Go with me to Romans chapter six. Romans the sixth chapter. Hallelujah is right. Praise the Lord. How long have I been up here, Angela? How long have I been up here, Steve? 12 minutes. Okay, I almost set my clock. I had 12 minutes in my mind. Praise the Lord. And then after that, it won't mean anything. i just completely ignore it. Romans chapter six, let's start in, let me ask you this question first so you'll know where we're going. So there's a lot in these verses and I don't want you to get sidetracked. Is it okay, is it okay for a Christian to be blasé or indifferent concerning sin in your life? Is that okay? Did you just say, well, you know, I'm dealing with some symptoms of sin. I've been fighting, I've been fighting some symptoms of adultery. I've been fighting some symptoms of, of, of lust. I've been fighting some symptoms of lying. I'm fighting them. What would you say if somebody said that? I'm fighting, I'm fighting symptoms of gossip. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> no, it's not okay to be blasé, like I said, or indifferent concerning sin. Now, now understand what I'm about to say. Sin and sickness are not the same thing. I'm not, I'm not drawing that comparison than saying they're the same thing. Sin is rebellion against God. Sin is disobedience. Sin will, will put you in judgment. Sickness is not disobedience. You won't get judged by God because you're sick. It's not disobedience. It's not rebellion. So sin and sickness are not the same, not comparing them as the same thing. But I am making this point. If, if it's wrong to have an in, in an indifferent, casual attitude where sin is concerned, well, you know, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. But if it's ridiculous to, to be casual about sin, it would also be ridiculous to be casual about sickness because his will, he's against both of them. He's the most, now, like I said, they're not the same God doesn't think about them the same in the sense of of, uh, him being opposed, but he is is opposed to both of them, just in a different way. Well, we ought to be. So that's what he was saying in, in, or what, what I was pointing out in 3 John 2. He said, I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Well, the way your soul prospers is to align your mind, your will, your emotions, your desires, your determinations, your plans, your whole outlook on life, to align them with God's thoughts, his mind, his will, his emotions. you know God has emotions, his feelings, his desires. His outlook, that's what he was talking about. He said, I want you to to prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. And evidently, Gaius' soul was prospering in these areas. So so we need to align ourselves and our thinking and, and not be casual about not enjoying the blessings of God. Now, let's let's look at this from the standpoint of sin and I, and I wanna draw, now, now you know that I'm not making a, an unreal comparison, but the comparison I am making is valid. Uh, go with me to verse number, let's start in verse number six. <clears throat> Knowing this, this is, this is for sure. You can, like they say, take this to the bait. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with. What does that say in the Older King James? Destroyed? Destroyed. 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 That the body of sin might be destroyed, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Now, there, what is that talking about, the body of sin? It's talking about the sin nature of the old man that's still in the body. Now, when you got born again, your spirit was recreated and and you don't have a sin nature in your spirit. You're you're not, uh, uh, you don't have two natures. You, you, You are, you've been recreated and you are the righteousness of God. But your flesh was not born again. We all know that. There's still a sin nature in your flesh. Your flesh still wants to do wrong. And that's what he's talking about. He said to know know this, that our old man was crucified with him, the old man that we used to be was crucified with him, that the sin nature in the flesh might be done away with. Now, if you you know yourself, you know, well, that sin nature hasn't been done away with. That sin nature is... is, uh, 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 quite uh, uh, obvious and asserts himself sometimes. Well, the the words they're done away with literally means to render powerless or inoperative. So read it that way. Knowing this, that our old man, the man that we used to be that that went to the cross with Jesus, our old man was crucified with him. And a new man was was raised up in his place so that the sin nature of the flesh would be rendered powerless or inoperative. Go with me over, hold your place, just go over to Hebrews 2. The same word is used in Hebrews 2, it'll help you. Hebrews 2, verse 14 says, inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, this is verse 14, Hebrews 2, 14, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Well, again, the, if you look at the word destroy, it's the same word that's translated uh, destroy in, in Romans six, verse number six in the older King James, the newer King James says done away with. Hebrews, it says destroy, well, if you look at it in the sense of destroying and something doesn't exist anymore, well the devil hasn't been destroyed. he hasn't been destroyed he's still around but again it's this same word it means to render powerless or inoperative it may it means to make useless for the purpose of its existence to make without it's 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 translated to make without effect in romans three three talks about you know that that uh uh, the, the, the gospel couldn't make the, the promises of God without effect, or something to that, to that effect, making something without effect. That's that same word. It's also translated uh, break the power of, dethrone, neutralize, paralyze, and crush. <laughs> I have very small margins. In this Bible, and I have all of that written in that one little space down there, and a little bit more. So you have to bear with me. I have to write this with a very fine print pen, too. Amen. So the 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 when we were born again, the old uh, uh, sinful nature of our flesh hasn't been done away with in the sense that it no longer exists. It has been rendered powerless. It has been made inoperative for the purpose of his, its existence. It has been paralyzed. Now, if you're gonna live above sin, you're gonna have to know that. You're gonna have to be convinced of that because the sinful nature, nature will try to assert itself. That old man will try to rise up and assert himself. And if you, but if you know this, then you know you can put him in his place just like you can put the devil in his place. Now, let's go on, that the body of sin might be neutralized, like we, one translation or one uh, uh, version of that word, neutralized, paralyzed, made of no effect, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. God, God saved us and saved us from our sins not so that we could live in sin but live free from sin but he left the sin nature in our flesh and just and because it's there we have to deal with it but we are not supposed to be a slave to sin verse 7 says for he who has died has been freed from sin see this is knowledge this is spiritual knowledge that is in direct contradiction to natural knowledge. He's telling us some things have happened where, our, where the sinful nature is concerned that our sinful, sinful nature doesn't go along with. Our bodies don't go along with that. Our bodies rebel against that. That sinful nature still tries to assert itself. But he's given us information that tells us it hasn't got the right to do it. Because he who has died has been freed from sin. Now that's a that's a paradox in what is true from what God says and what's true in our bodies. Christian maturity is learning to walk in what God said and keep your, shut your body up. Yeah. Slap your body upside the, the head and say, no, you don't. Yeah. You're not acting that way, you're not thinking that way. Yeah. You're not behaving that way. Yeah. Now, I'm talking about where sin is concerned. Let's go on reading. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now, here's here's where the, the, the rubber meets the road right here. He says, likewise, you also, so about Jesus for the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives unto God. Now he has a slight, a slight advantage over us in that he has a resurrected body and he's sitting at the right hand of the father. Okay, I'll give him that. All right. But he said, likewise you also, because what's happened on the inside of you is exactly what's happened to Christ. Yeah. You were raised From the dead. Death no longer has dominion over you. Therefore, you also, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. Now, here's the key. Reckon yourself. Consider yourself. Consider yourself. The... uh, Kenneth Wiest, in his, in his uh, Greek commentary on this, I don't, I don't read Greek, so I have to take his word for it, but he said the way this is constructed in the Greek, it, it says to be continually counting on the fact, to reckon yourselves, to be, it says it means to continually be counting on the fact that we are dead to sin and alive under righteousness. So you have to be counting on that fact. And if you'll count on that fact, if it, it's, it has to be something that's, that's continual. It has to be something you, you do every day. Doug talked about reading your Bible every day. need to read your Bible every day. You need to feed on the word of God every day. There, there, there are vacation days, but not where not we're spending time with God's concern. Likewise, yourself be constantly counting on the fact that you are dead to sin and alive unto God. Now, Pastor Greg and and their family, Christmas or so ago, they got one of these virtual reality games. And if you've never played some of it, we had it, he brought it here to the men's fellowship we had a few weeks ago. And if you've never played one of these, it's, it's, uh, it's it's an experience. You put this this visor on, goggles, put on these goggles that blocks out every vision from everything, from your ears. Have have you ever stood like this and looked at your ears? No, you can't see your ears, right? You can only see so far. Well, these goggles go back around to here. And then you also put headphones on. So you have audio and visual reality presented. And in these headphones, Whatever, wherever the, whatever the game that, that is, is running on the system at the time, you, in these in this, uh, this goggles that you're wearing, you're completely immersed in that virtual reality. In other words, if you look over there real fast, you don't see the same image that you see here. It doesn't go over here. The image changes. Just like in this room, if you look over there, you, you go and see the door. When you have that goggle on and you look, you see... What If it's a room or if it's a street, let's say if the, if the game is and you're standing on a street, you're standing on a sidewalk, if you look that way, you'll see the sidewalk, you'll see cars. If you look up, you'll see the buildings. and If you look up higher, you'll see the sky. You might see a bird flying over. And if you look over here, you'll see the sidewalk going that way. You might see people doing things over there. If you, now, the game is designed for you not to move a, ro- a lot because if you start walking, you know, you're, you're in your living room. And you've got these goggles on, you can't take many steps or you'll be tripping on something, you know, falling, in, tripping on furniture, and, you know. So it's, it's designed for whatever your movements are to be pretty located where you are. But if you turn around like this, you'll see the vision of whatever that, that room is that's in that video. You'll see it just like you would if you turned around. And it's very real. And even though you know in your mind you're not on that street corner, all of your visual input and even the headphones give you the sound of the cars going by and and people and it, it feels like you're on that street corner. Now, there's one there's one game, well, there's one, the elevator. I'll tell you about the elevator in a minute. That was the first one I did. But there's one game you put on and you're in this big swing, this big, like, uh, gigantic industrial type, you know, the things at the fair that sling you way up here and it has a big old arm on it and then it, and it goes back the other way. Well, you're, you're in that swing and you're facing this way. And, a <sighs> 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 and after, after a couple of trips of that, you start going, oh my. Don't eat before you, you play that game. <laughs> I'm telling you. I am telling you, don't eat before you play that game. Because you know you feel like now you you know you're standing in the living room. You know that, but everything else is telling you, and it, and it goes further and further. And you can imagine you. I mean, you're getting you start getting sick. I'm standing there. I'm thinking. I, I'm feeling sick to my stomach. I felt just like. And I don't. The thing is, I don't like those kinds of rides. At the fair, I don't like those things that just. Do that, that kind of repetitive motion. It makes me sick at the fair. It was making me sick there. I like roller coasters because in roller coasters, you know, you can kind of anticipate and go with it. Man, when you're at the mercy of something slinging you around, it's, oh, I just can't handle it. Well, this game is going on. That's how you feel. If you're, if you're, there's one one of them that's like a roller coaster. And so they told me, dad, you better sit down. Don't stand up because who was it, a uh, uh, bunch of people just falling up. You get in that roller coaster and you start doing these turns and you can't, you can't help it. You're standing there and you're going, you're all over the place. And everybody in the room, you can't hear them. You can't see them. They're all sitting around. They're laughing at you. You're, and you can actually fall over in the floor and hurt yourself. So they said, dad, you're old. You need to sit in a, need to sit in a chair. We don't want to hurt you. I, uh, the first one that I did was a, uh, an elevator. I put the thing on and, and, and all of a sudden I'm standing on the street corner and they said, turn around. And I turned around and it was on, on the side of the building had a door, but it was an elevator. I stepped, they said, step in. So I took a step in and I turned in and I'm inside an elevator. Ceiling of the elevator, back of the elevator and there's a big button up there and they said, push that button. So I that button, the door's closed. And there you, you know you're not moving. You know you're standing still, but you could see that like there's a crack in the door and you could see the floors going by. And you had the sounds of an elevator, you know, and you felt like you were going up. So it goes up about, you know, 10 stories or something and the doors opens. Cause you know, you entered the elevator on the street. Well, the door opens and you're, you're on the side of a building and no elevator opens that way, but this one did. And you're looking out there and you look down and there are people like little cars down there and there's leaves blowing around. When, when, and, and then all of a sudden there's a, there's a plank out in front of you like walking the plank. It's a board about this wide and you're supposed to walk that thing. When Pastor Angela put it on, she, she, she's like this. Ah. <laughs> she looked like Tim Conway. Tim Conway. She just looked like, "Oh, you know well, i didn 't do much better i'm thinking now I know i 'm thinking i 'm not on the tenth floor anywhere i'm in greg 's living room i had to I had to kind of suck it up, you know, and i mean i you feel like you're on this out walking, and there's things going on underneath you and you, it's very real. When I, was, when I was on the swing going back, I was getting sick. But you know how I fixed it? I closed my eyes. When I closed, I mean, I felt like I was swing slung back and forth. And my stomach is getting, you know. And, but I closed my eyes. And when I closed my eyes, all of that instantly stopped. That whole sensation stopped because I wasn't getting that that visual stimulus. I mean, the feeling of being on the the swing stopped, the queasiness stopped. I waited for a minute for my stomach to get, you know, surely settled, opened it up again and and did it some more. (laughs) What was the problem? The problem was, the reason I was feeling sick is because I believed I was someplace where I wasn't. I had symptoms all around me. My physical uh, senses were telling me I'm swinging back and forth. And it was very real. But I wasn't. I was in the living room at Greg's house. Well, the same thing happens in where you consider your body, do you consider yourself dead to sin and alive unto God? It depends on what you're looking at. Yeah, your, your natural body is not a virtual reality. It's real. But it's giving you input that's contrary to the word of God. Most Christians just go through life doing their best to not be too bad and pray a lot of repentance and And just try to do the best they can, and they're just battered around by that sinful nature. When the the truth is, you have to stop believing that reality and start believing this reality that you are dead to sin, that you died to sin, that you have been freed from sin. I have been freed from sin. I have to get that reality in me so that it's greater than and more real than the reality of my flesh. And the reality of my flesh can be very real. But I have to, I have to make, and it's not something you can just do overnight. I have to get into this. If you're struggling if you're struggling with, with the flesh, if, if you're uh, struggling with, with uh, sin and those kinds of things, your, your only solution is to start looking at who you are, what's been done for you, who you are in Christ Jesus, and get into Romans 6 and start believing what it says about you. That's the only way out of that. You will not be able to just resist. If you try to do this in your own strength, you will fail. And you will will have a mediocre Christian life up and down, in and out, all around and, and be under condemnation half the time, repenting all the time for all kinds of things and never getting victory if you try to do it in yourself and just, I'm just not gonna do that. Have you ever done that? I'm not gonna do that again. For the days out, you've done it again. Huh? The only solution is to get into this and find out what it said about who you are and, what you, and what's happened to you and what happened to sin in your life. It was crucified, it was defeated. And that's, what, that's when he said, sin will not have dominion over you. Now again, sin and sickness aren't the same thing, but you have to think about sickness the same way you do about sin. Because it is also an alternate reality. The reality of God's word is that by his stripes, you were healed. You were healed on the cross. Jesus took it. He took every sickness, everything that you have a symptom of, everything that's in your family, genetics, everything. He took it all. What do you do? Then you have to reckon yourself. Listen. You have to reckon yourself to be dead unto sin and alive unto God. You have to reckon yourself to be dead to sickness and alive unto health. Same thing. You have to get to the place where you say, I cannot let sickness reign in my body. I'm not gonna do it. What, what does it mean to be dead? You ever hear somebody in the movies, you know, one of these mobster movies or something, you know, the, I'm dead to you now, you know. You're no longer a part of the family. I'm dead to you. What does that mean? You've cut off all relationship. It's done. You're dead. You're, you're done with that person. And they're like, you know, they're not dead. But as far as you're concerned, you don't need, you're not even alive anymore. You're just a dead thing. Well, you you get that, you have to get to that place where your sickness is concerned. I'm dead to that. I'm dead to these symptoms. Oh, glory to God. I'm telling you, it it works, and it's the only thing that works where sin is concerned. And it works, and it's the only thing that works where sickness is concerned. Now, I'm talking about if you're gonna live in it. God has provided a, a, a real broad menu of ways to receive healing. He's provided gifts of the spirit, gifts of healings, Often, a lot of times work with the word of knowledge. He's provided gifts of the spirit to heal. He's provided special anointings of the Holy Spirit, uh, which are different from gifts of the spirit. He's provided, uh, uh, you know, laying on of hands, the anointing with oil. He's provided... Uh, you know the prayer of agreement. Thank God. You know it, 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 God has provided a lot of opportunities for you to receive your healing. Like I said, the the, the prayer of agreement, having the whole church pray. You know the, it says over in James, pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Well. He intends for us to be healed. He said, "The prayer when the when the elders anoint the sick person who's too sick to come to church, that's what that's talking about. Is any man uh, sick? Let him call for the elders of the church, and that that the idea is he's too sick to come to church, so he calls for the pastors to go to him and let them anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will say will, will heal the sick. Well, thank God for that." But if we're going to go beyond just getting healing uh, and and getting sick again and getting healing and getting sick again and get healed again and get sick and go from one thing to another, uh, if we're going to get beyond that, we're going to have to do it by faith. I I thank God. I believe in laying on of hands. I do that. And, 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 And God honors that. But I do know this. That the only long-term, the only long-term remedy to a life of sickness is to get in this and just say, I'm not going to live with sickness and disease in my life. I'm just not gonna tolerate it. I am, and and if if you aren't dead to sin, you won't be dead to sickness either. (laughs) Just a little side note there. If you aren't, if you don't hate sin as much as you hate sickness, you ain't going to have a good. Uh, it's not going to be a good battle against sickness, because the enemy will use that condemnation to to tear you down. I, I like uh, what it says in in uh, First Peter two twenty four. First Peter two twenty four. You getting anything out of this? Hallelujah. Uh, uh, uh. Well, it'd help if I got in the second chapter instead of the first chapter. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Isn't that what Galatians said? Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sin might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. The same sacrifice that resulted in our freedom from sin purchased our freedom from sickness. Jesus, our our redemption from from sickness wasn't, wasn't secured at a different day, on a different day or at a different time. There wasn't a different sacrifice. Jesus didn't go to the cross to save us from our sins and then do something else to heal us. When he was on the cross, the the stripes that were laid on him, the whips that were laid on him, the thorns in his brow, the nails in his hands and feet, the nail in his side, all of that torture, all of that resulted resulted in blood flowing. And that blood cleansed us and we were not only forgiven, we were healed at the same time. So when I read this, I say to myself, I died to sins, oh, himself bore my sins in his own body on the tree. That sounds real, real similar to uh, Matthew eight seventeen, who himself bore our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Here it says he himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. I like to say it like this. Thank God Jesus bore my sins and my sicknesses on that tree so that I being dead to sin and dead to sickness might live under righteousness and live under health. Oh, glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. That's where he's taking us. Into the full life. Into the life where where we not just believe in it, Believe on it. You know, there's a difference in believing in Jesus and believing on Jesus. A lot of people believe in him and they aren't saved. They're not getting anything. They believe in him. It's one thing to believe in him. It's another thing to believe on him. When you believe on him, you take it and you say, you are my savior, glory to God. Well, take it and say, you are my healer. You are my healer, praise God. Oh, glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. I hope you got something out of that. Getting healed doesn't require a lot of faith. Now, the Bible commends great faith. I'm not saying our faith shouldn't grow, it should. But getting healed doesn't require a great deal of faith. It requires simple faith. Remember, Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mulberry tree, be plucked up by the roots and be planted in the, the seed, and it will obey you. He said, you can do that on, on mustard seed faith. So it's not, don't get hung up on how great your faith is Just have simple faith. Just have simple faith. Glory to God. But you will have to look at the right reality. You will have to to close your eyes to what your flesh is telling you. You'll have to close your eyes to what your feelings are telling you. you have to close your eyes to the symptoms. Just Just like Abraham said he did not consider his own body. Well, what did he consider? He had to consider the word so shall thy seed be. That's what he considered. Who, he did not consider his own body now dead, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. Then the next verse says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. How do you waver? Considering the flesh. Considering your body. That's what makes you waver. And the only thing that stopped me from wavering that day was closing my eyes. I stopped wavering as soon as I closed my eyes to the wavering input. Yeah, to the wavering reality. He said he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, that's unbelief. It's unbelief to accept what your body's telling you. It's unbelief. It's unbelief in the word. It's belief in the flesh, but it's, not, it's unbelief in the word. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what God said he would do. Hallelujah. That's the secret to living. Well, there's a lot of secrets. Those are some of them. <laughs> Amen. Another thing, you're gonna have to feed in the word because the word is medicine to you. If, if you're not gonna be diligent, doesn't require a lot of faith, but it requires diligence. Living in divine health requires diligence, obedience, purity, and love, forgiveness. That's, that's, a, that's a lot to take home tonight. We'll have time for all of that. But all of those things go into it. If you're gonna walk in divine health, it requires diligence, obedience, you have to obey God. Oh, shoot. I knew it wasn't gonna be that easy. It's better to obey God. His, his instruction for you is better than what you had planned for you. It might not look like it at the time, but his way is better. Obedience is good, purity. Can't be living like a fool. Amen. You you can't be living just any way you want to live. You can't live in uncleanness and I, you know. So why are you telling us this? Because this because Paul told his churches this. John told his churches this. This is the word. You can't be living impure and you can't be living in unforgiveness. Amen. And if you're, if you're not gonna be diligent, not walk in obedience and purity and forgiveness as a lifestyle, then healing will always be elusive to you. But if you'll purpose in your heart to walk diligently, that doesn't mean 19 hours a day it means just being diligent feed your faith regularly feed your faith regularly be diligent about it don't take don't take week off amen be diligent about it and 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 walk in obedience when when the spirit witnesses something to you do it you know the the strangest things when the spirit leads you to do something and you don't do it it can have it can have uh results that, that seem to be unrelated but they are related. I remember Brother Hagin one time a, a man got off the uh, of he uh, was a, a minister and he got off the bus in front of Brother Hagin's church and he didn't have any more money he only had enough money to get to that town he was trying to get home if I remember the story he was trying to get home but he'd run out of money and so the bus ticket would only take him this far I guess he was going to walk the rest of the way well, when he drove by, he, he recognized Brother Hagan's church where he drove, Brother Hagan was pastoring at the time. He told the bus driver, he said, well, just instead of taking me to the bus station, let me out here. So he got off the bus and uh, he, he knew Brother Hagan. They weren't close. He, they just knew one another. Knocked on the door and Brother said, oh yeah, Brother so-and-so, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm just kind of in town. <laughs> Didn't tell him he was stru- stuck there, you know. So Brother Hagan had him in and he only had like a little bit of money. Forget the story. There's, there's actually two stories like this, two different instances in Brother Hagin's life. But in the particular story, he only had so much money. And the Lord said, Give that to this, to this pastor. And so this pastor took this money and was able to buy another bus ticket and get home. And Brother Hagin said, I argued with the Lord. I can't give him, it's like $40 or something. He said, I can't give him $40. That's my whole paycheck, $40. I won't have enough. It's Christmas time or something. I won't have enough money. And he argued with the Lord about it. And finally, he said, okay, okay, I'm gonna obey you. He gave the man the $40. He went his way. It was sometime later. It might've been a year or or more later. He was in a service and God moved. I mean, just in one of those miraculous stories Brother Hagin's tells, where somebody was just, you know, one of these uh, just real Phenomenal healings and the power of God flew through him like electricity. When he got back in his parsonage that night or in his hotel room, the Lord said, If you hadn't given that man that money, Brother Aiken had forgotten about it. If you hadn't given him, I don't know if it was $42 or $10 or something small, if you hadn't given him that, I couldn't have used you tonight like this. Obedience is important. Amen. But if you'll do these things, I tell you what, I want to see 2019 be a year where we just have testimonies around here of people people receiving healings of of long-standing chronic things that have bugged you and 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 harassed you and followed you for decades, and now you're free. Oh, glory to God. I'm experiencing that right now in my life. Hallelujah. I quit taking a medicine s- s- several months ago. Uh, for something I'd been taking for years. And I decided, you know, I'm not, I'm not living this way. Being treated is not the same thing. Being treated with drugs is the same thing as being healed. You can get the symptoms off of you, but it, it doesn't, God's, God loves you, I'm not saying that, but it doesn't glorify God to take some other met, uh, remedy that doesn't really solve the problem when he paid for the problem. Praise God. Completely well, completely healed. Years and years and years. Well, praise the Lord. And, and, and you know, there, there, are some, there are a couple of other issues in my life where I still have some symptoms. And yet, and even though those symptoms are present, I still don't accept them. I don't tolerate it. I don't accept it. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't have it. It's not mine. Doesn't belong to me. And you watch, you just watch, you mark my words. Those symptoms will fall by the wayside, just like these other things have. S- illness, sicknesses, chronic conditions. One by one, falling by the wayside. Because I just it, at one point said, you know what? I'm not, I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm just not going to tolerate it. Just not no. Just not going to have it. And and, and when I said that, the devil just packed his bags and just ran I didn't have any more symptoms. <laughs> the pastor did not say. That did not happen. It seemed to get worse. You have to be led of the Lord. And he will lead you in this. And he's leading me. Praise the Lord. 20, 2019, a year of freedom. A year of freedom, a year of freedom, a year of freedom. Praise God. Freedom from things that have that have have bound you for years. Free this year.